Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Barnhart, along with author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg. We're here to encourage you wherever you are on your healing journey. In each episode, we will chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you found us. Let us help you find your joy in life. Well, hello, Grief and Rebirth listeners. This is Stephanie Barnhart, your host, along with my favorite co-host, Irene Weinberg, here for another fantastic episode. Hi, Irene. Hey, Stephanie. I am really excited today because I have been a fan of our guest. He didn't even know it. I've been a fan of his for years. And many years ago, I even had a session with him. His name is Tim Braun. He's an internationally renowned medium, and he has conducted over 14,000 sittings over 20 years. Wow, that's a lot of dead people. (laughs) (laughs) He was born in Whittier, California, and he's a graduate of the University of Southern California, where he earned a BA in interdisciplinary studies. Hollywood celebrities, renowned athletes, and corporate leaders have embraced Tim, including me too. The Orange County Housewives TLC Network show, Sin City Rules, and and he's even been interviewed on CBS Radio, Sundays with Rolanda, The Good Life Radio Canada, and featured in Awareness Magazine. He Right now he lives in Laguna, Miguel. Is it Miguel, Tim? Yes, it is. Uh Mm -hmm. And uh, I have so many things. I want to ask you, Tim. This is an A-lister on tonight. Hi, Tim. Hello, Irene. Hello, hello, Stephanie. Hi. And Tim also wrote this incredible book called Life and Death, A Medium's Messages to Help You Overcome Grief and Find Closure. It's like a Bible for me. It's just wonderful. So, Tim, let me start by asking you a question so our, our, our listeners can get to know you. Tell us a little bit about you and what inspired you to pursue this calling. How did you get to where you are? Well, I'm the youngest of six children and a very, very uh, Catholic family. And I always mention that for those of you um, that are Jewish out there, you guys invented the guilt and us Catholics just perfected it. So, <laughs> you know, in the family that I came in, from, came in with, um, there was a lot of guilt. And with the Catholicism, you know, of course, we didn't talk about mediumship. But in the long story short, um, it's all in my book, Life and Death. Um, When I was about six years of age, six to seven years of age, um, I started seeing, feeling, and hearing. And at that same time, and that means seeing, feeling, and hearing spirit. Um, And at that same time, my brother, who was and still is 18 years older than myself, was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. So, you know, for my brother, hearing things and seeing spirit and seeing um, images I wasn't seeing it, so I thought I was really losing my my mind. Unfortunately, um, he's now institutionalized, and for him, it's definitely mental illness. Illness um, for me, um, mine went to if you want to call it a gift, um, and where I make a living um, doing this. Um, yes, I've been doing this work for over twenty two years, and I work four days a week, and I do six clients a day, and I truly just love um, helping people and transforming people's lives. And this is just a a calling that I've had, um, even as a youngster, just to really help people and really help them overcome uh, grief. Um, That's one of the hardest things in our our society is overcoming. Absolutely. And you give some wonderful tips in your book about 
how to overcome grief, how to manage it, how to overcome it. I read that in your book that you worked with James Van Pra as you were honing your. Yes, that was back in the nineties and I was his assistant and he saw the gift in me even before I saw it in myself. I knew I had it, but I didn't feel that it was going to be at his caliber. Um, But he actually recognized that in me um, even before I did actually. And he really very much believed in me. And so um, now 24 years later now, um, I'm still doing my work and it's thanks to different, uh, different teachers uh, such as Robert Brown, Brian, Brian Hurst, as well as James Van Prague, that have all basically um, believed in me and, and guided me along this, this, this path. Sometimes rocky, but this path. It was, it's always rocky, but it's always wonderful when you can get mentors who have those loving hearts and see your abilities and can help you. That's so wonderful. You've got a great story in your book about Mother Teresa. And how that changed your life. Could you share that with me? Sure. I was in my dorm room at the University of Southern California here in Los Angeles. And it was about 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, right before I woke up, I had this it was a vision. It wasn't even a dream. And uh, this is back in 1994. And at that time, Mother Therese was still living. And she basically came into my dorm room. She had her arms wide open. Um, and she showed me an image of, of me walking off the 747 jumbo jet. And then four missionaries um, greeting me and taking me into the village. And then as I opened my eyes, I actually saw the presence of her leave the room. And I felt this is really crazy because, first of all, she's still living. And, you know, yes, I was raised Catholic, but I didn't really know anything about her. I wasn't um, into the, to the church. I really, um, you know, had my own issues with the church. Um, so I didn't know too much about Mother Teresa um, and long story short is within three months, I found myself in Calcutta, India, walking off the 747 jumbo jet as it was parked in the middle of the tarmac. And as I walked off, four missionaries greeted me there at the lobby and then took me into town. And the next morning I woke up and, and I met her about eight o'clock in the morning and I worked with her for a week and a half. The most inspiring thing was just myself and, and two other nuns. Um, praying with her for, um, you know, a good hour. And looking back as a young kid, I just thought, oh, okay, this is pretty cool, you know. Um, but I didn't realize how cool it was until many years later. And I always tell my clients, you know, it doesn't matter what type of prayer that you, you, you have, you know, whether it, you come from a Jewish background or a Catholic or a fundamental Christian, it doesn't matter. Just as long as you have the belief and the intention with that prayer, you know, um, and working with her really just transformed my life because, you know, I always tell clients, you know, praying is talking to God. Meditation is listening to God. And if you don't want to say God, I say God, I'm old fashioned. Um, you can say spirit, you can say the universe, you can say mother earth. It's all the same. Um, but always remember that praying is talking to God. Meditation is listening to God. And so, um, there have been times there with just sitting with her um, in her prayer room and just being quiet, just listening. Um, and that really basically transformed my life. I feel the biggest thing that, you know, she, she taught us um, while I was there working with the missionaries uh, for that week and a half, just doing volunteer work, doing hospice work is, you know, she says, you don't need to come to any, India to do this work. She goes, there are poor in your own backyard, take care of them. And that's one of the, the things I always remembered about what she told me. 
Wow. Now, would you say that working with her raised your vibration in that way? Did it help to heal you? And you talk about that in your book about um, raising your vibration, how important it is for a person to raise their vibration. And we talk about on the podcast all the time about different ways people can heal and how important that is to um, heal your wounds. Can you talk a little bit about that, Tim? Yeah, I feel that um, 50% of, of it was with her raising my vibration. It was basically me having that dream and that dream coming forth so, so true as a vision. So that was basically spirit's way of saying, hey, you have a gift, you're not crazy, um, and use it. Um, and so that's the, the, the 50% of it is, is the dream, um, which just happened to be Mother Teresa was in it. The other 50% was working with a person who has a high vibration. And so Mother Teresa had a very, very high vibration. She was always in prayer. She spent three hours a day in prayer. And some people said, well, that's ridiculous. You have people to, uh, to, 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 to feed and help. Um, the three hours that she spent in prayer um, every day was how she got her strength. Wow, that is like so inspiring and amazing. Um, you also talk about in your book about how talking to the dead, which you seem to do a lot of, has taught you how to live. How about sharing that with some of our listeners? I always tell clients, I'd rather talk to the dead and be with the dead than the living. Um, <laughs> um, because, um, you know, when you're on spirit side, it's all pure energy um, and it's all pure thought. And doing the work that I that I do when a person crosses over and I'm able to see and feel and hear them, yes, they will bring through their regrets. They'll bring through the things that they are ashamed of, but they're very clear about that. They're very honest about that. And a lot of us in the human body, us living, we're not clear about that. We're not, we're not facing that. We're not focusing on that. So when you cross over, you know, you're faced with that. And so it's nice to really um, talk with the dead, um, you know, every day because, it's so clear energy and, and, and clear intention as they as they communicate. Now, I've been told that um, when people cross over, they have what's called a past life review. So I yeah. think a lot of our listeners are not aware of that. And that's why a lot of the times the people on the other side, they come through to you, your deceased loved ones, and they are apologizing or they're, they're realizing what happened. Um, mm -hmm. Right. They get yeah. like a whole... Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when a person passes over, whether you're seven years of age, whether you're 25, or whether you're 50, or whether you're 105, you have within the first seven seconds, your life review, you see all the good and all the bad you have done within that first seven seconds. And I always tell clients, you know, yes, I'm a medium, but I'm clearly not a saint. You know, I'm human. I have my um, own issues. I'm impatient at some times. Sometimes I can be a little bit snappy. I'm human just like anybody else. But in that first seven seconds, you see all the people that you have helped and you see all the people that you have hurt. And I always put um, stories in layman's terms so everybody will, will understand this. It's kind of like when you are washing your car in the driveway and your car is all soap set it up. You know, you've washed the whole car. It's all soap set it up and you start taking the hose and you start washing off the, the, the car. You know, what's the first thing that you look for? And most people say, well, you're looking for the soap suds. And I'm like, no, as the soap suds are coming off, you're looking for the dirt. You don't care so much about the clean car. You're focusing on the dirt. You want to basically make that car impeccable. So you focus on the dirt. And that's when a person passes over, you're not so much focusing on that 70, 80, 90% of all good. You're focusing on that 10% of where you messed up and how you can make it right, how you can make it right to that person, how you can make it right to that daughter, 
who you insulted, how you can make it right to that businessman that you um, embezzled money from. You know, you see all the, the, the regret and you try to fix that in order to make that car look as clean as possible. How do people fix that? Is it that they fix it by when they are given the opportunity? I have my own little story about that. When they're given the opportunity to come through and apologize, but what if they don't have that opportunity? The person isn't contacting them through someone like you. How do they fix that when they realize what they've done? Mm -hmm. And that's very individualistic from person to person. Sometimes when that person's on spirit side, one of the ways is, is that they open doors in order to make things work out for that person. Um, other times they just basically sit on spirit side and they sit with the pain that they they've caused. And if they don't try to help those on, on, on earth plane here and you sit with it on spirit side, then when you reincarnate, then you basically have to make it up to that person and that soul in that soul group. Um, I'm a firm believer that, you know, we reincarnate in soul groups. So, um, you know, our mothers, our fathers, our brothers, our sisters, our friends, we pick them, you know, and I can hear a lot of your viewing audience say, well, I must have been drunk on spirit side picking my mother <laughs> on spirit side picking my brother or sister. And I'm like, no, you weren't drunk. No, you weren't stoned. You were basically choosing that person um, to really work through through lessons. You know, every person on the planet um, is neither a friend nor a foe. They're a teacher. And so the, the friend is teaching us love and happiness. You know, the foe is teaching us how to forgive and how to send love to a difficult situation. So in each soul group, um, we have our cast of characters, and that could be our next door neighbor, that could be a coworker. And then when that very last um, person in that soul group re, uh, passes over, then you basically change it up. You all reincarnate together. Um, in this lifetime, you know, my mother's my mother, my father's my father. Next lifetime, I might be the mother and my, my mom might be my son. And we change it up in order to really learn as many lessons as possible in order for growth. How do we talk about, this is great because I think a lot of people are going, whoa, and I think they all have to buy your book. How do people, I am. <laughs> how, do, how do people forgive like on this side? And then I want to tell you a real small little story about my own father on this side. You know, someone's really hurt you horribly, and now um, they get to the other side. They get to hear, see, feel what they did, but yes. you're left with all of that over here. How do you forgive? What's that about? So when that person crosses over and they feel the hurt that they have inflicted upon you, not only do they feel that hurt, but they feel that ripple effect. So if they hurt you and then you basically hurt someone else and then that person hurts somebody else all because of your action, it's a chain chain reaction. It's like a train wreck. And that person on spirit side definitely feels it. And they many times do in their power in order to really correct that, opening doors. I've seen so many different times where an abusive mother passes over and all of a sudden, two weeks later, after the mother passes, she gets a call and this, she's finally, after five years, got the job interview and the job promotion um, that she's been waiting for for five years. Mm. And they basically open doors, at least try to. Now, for those on the spirit side that choose not to um, or they don't, then there's the spirit guides, it's your guardian angels that come in and they make it right. The, the guardian angels or spirit guides make it right, or they help them. The other, they help the people on the other side who are a little reticent to make it right. 
Absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I have my own experience. I don't want to take away too much, but I have a father who was very, very abusive. And it's the, unbelievable how many times I never ask for him, Tim. He is constantly mm-hmm. coming through, apologizing, mm-hmm. acknowledging what he did. It's just amazing. And sometimes he'll say, don't stop doing what you're doing because I'm around you and I'm healing. And mm-hmm. I learn with your journey. Yeah. And just to put in layman's terms, you know, here for you, Irene, it's kind of like this. If I was at your home and you had me over for dinner, then I, I was pulling out my car and I rammed my car, you know, unintentionally into your, your car and, and smashed your taillights. Um, I would go back in. I'm like, I am so sorry. And you'd say, Tim, don't worry about it. I have a deductible. You can pay the deductible. I'll just get a rental car. Um, and, you know, in, in two weeks, it'll be all fixed up. I can tell you, Irene, every time that you have me over for dinner, if it's a one-year anniversary, five-year anniversary, a 10-year anniversary, knowing my personality, I would say, oh, my God, I feel so stupid five years ago when I ran in my car my, into yours. I am so sorry. And you'd say, Tim, I've forgiven you five years ago. I let it go. The, the, you paid the deductible. I had to rent a car. It's all good now. I still would feel a little bit guilty for my negligence. And that's how they are in spirit side. Even though that uh, I've seen many times when a person has had a sitting with me where you know, that father or that mother, or that brother, sister comes in and says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I've seen this many times where that client will say, Tim, I've had three or four sittings with you and they keep on apologizing and I've forgiven them three or four years ago, five years ago. And I says, okay, fair enough, but they're still bringing that through. And what about, what about those souls who are really, really evil? You know, the Hitlers of the world, what happens with them? You know, that's so complex. That's really out of my realm. And I just know that God does not make mistakes. Spirit does not make mistakes. And, you know, you look at the Hitlers in the world with, you know, even with the genocide, there has been so much education. Um, There has been so much um, world education that's happened out of that. And of course, that's the good that's come out of something bad. But there's always lessons. And some of them like this are so horrific that in our minds, Irene, we will never comprehend it. We would never understand it. But there's there's always reasonings behind it. And that's totally out of my realm um, on, on what that is all about and, and why people have to go through that. But you just gave a good answer to get people thinking about it. And you're also helping people to know that the lesser, what they feel are huge offenses in their lives are really, you know, healable. They, they, they can be healed. And, and there is another story or another side to all of that. So that's really I'll, great. I'll tell you, I'll tell you girls a, a real quick, funny story. I'll make it in within one minute or less. Here. For it. Um, um, I'm the youngest of six kids. And so it's a very, very Catholic family. And my, some of my family members um, call my parents the Catholic Taliban because they're so Catholic. They're crazy. They're crazy Catholics. Um, and I have one sister who's a Bible thumper. And um, I remember about four years ago, I just picked up this, picked up the phone. I didn't recognize the number. And all of a sudden it was my sister and she is so hateful. She's so Catholic. She's so hateful. Um, and I was just, my, I was, my hands started to sweat. I was getting so shaky. And I, I basically um, put the phone down after we, we spoke. And then on the contact, I put the Antichrist. <laughs> and so, um, so basically about a year later, my phone was ringing and someone says, oh, your phone's ringing. I'm like, oh, would you get it for me? And they says, dude. It says the Antichrist is calling. And I says, don't answer it. It's my sister. She's crazy. <laughs> um, and so, but, you know, I know my lesson. I have to send love to her. Is she crazy? She is. Is she 
very, very religious. She is. But I feel the lesson for me is I have to still send love and forgiveness anyways. Now, do I need to be around her? No. Do I need to take her call? No. But do I need to still send love? Absolutely. And that's hard for me, you guys. That's very, very hard. But that's a lesson for me. And I'm telling you, I'm a medium, but I'm not a saint. We have, each and every one of us has our lessons. I think it's just refreshing to let the audience know that too, Tim, is that like, you know, the whole purpose of like love and kindness and kind of finding your way doesn't mean you have to be perfect. And like, you know, there's just so many things like meditate and prayer, but it's really what is good for you and what you can find. And and I love that you say like, you know, you're, you're not a saint and a lot of us aren't. And it's a, it's a tough journey along the way to kind of figure this out. Like your sister, I'm sure we all have somebody in our lives that we want to mark in our phone as the antichrist, but like, you know, it's, it's just refreshing to hear that kind of validated, I think, at least for me. Well, you know, Stephanie, this is going back, you know, 10 years ago. And I learned this from Maya Angelou when she was still alive. You know, anybody who wanted to hold a conversation or be in Maya's accompaniment, um, they had to watch everything that they, they, they said. If they said something negative or something gossipy, she would just walk away. She wouldn't say, excuse me, I, I have to go. She wouldn't say, oh, I think I have someone calling me, or she wouldn't do any white lies such as, oh, I think my phone's ringing. She would just walk away. And I remember that 10 years ago, and that's always stuck with me. And I always hold my energy in conversations like that, meaning if there's something negative, I walk away. And when, I, you, when you live in that vibration um, day in and day out, when people start gossiping or when they're negative or when they're very hurtful... Um, it really affects you much more um, than than others. So that's a lesson to really send a lot of love to those people because you don't want that energy to kind of um, be around you. And that's a negative energy. And you just want to make sure that, you know, you stay away from that just to keep you healthy, to keep your mind healthy, to keep your body healthy. Um, that's very, very important. And I want, you know, your viewing audience to understand that, that you have to still send love, but you're sending love to put like a halo around you so their toxicity doesn't affect you. You know, it's kind of like the, the halo around us. You know, if, if you look at the, um, the days of old, you know, when you look at all the different uh, churches and temples throughout the world, you know, they, um, they, had, they painted the halo. Well, back in those days, they didn't know how to paint the aura. So they basically painted a halo. And so the aura went around the whole body, but they didn't know how to um, transpire that into paint. And when you have a bright aura, negativity can't penetrate in. Um, so if you engage in negativity, um, that energy can, can penetrate in. And then you get sick, it lowers your vibration, it lowers your energy. And, and that's a lot of times when people get ill or they become accident prone. So that's also something very good for your listening audience as well. I call it, yeah. what you're talking about, I call it detaching with love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you come across very toxic people like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've talked about toxic people and I agree. But I think, you know, I, I like to just remember, I think it's always a good reminder, especially with these calls to remind yourself that, you know, like you said, you, you have to separate from it a little bit and, you know, not bring that negativity because we can manifest our own, you know, like you said, diseases and sicknesses. And we we have the freedom to avoid that if we can kind of separate from it a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. You know, thoughts are things. We, we create our own reality by, by our thoughts. And, you know, um, one of the things that is very important for, for you girls and also your listening audience to understand is 
when you keep an idea in your frontal lobe, which is the conscience, long enough, it becomes so used, you become so used to it that it automatically goes to the subconscious. And once the subconscious gets it, basically that's when the action happens. So for example, um, many times I work with a lot of clients where the, the, the woman in front of me says, you know, my, my mother died of breast cancer at 58. My grandmother died of breast cancer at 62. My daughter died of breast cancer at 48. I know I'm going to die of breast cancer. And there's no sign of that, but they're already putting that in their frontal lobe. Once it hits the subconscious, then she's going to get breast cancer. You know, you look at um, Lady Gaga, the singer that's out these days um, in the public. You know, even as a young, young girl, she kept on saying, I'm super famous. I'm super famous. I'm super famous. And she kept that in her conscious for, for all those years. And then once it became so normal uh, for her, it shifted to the subconscious and she became super, super conscious. So the point is, is what you keep in your conscious long enough and it resonates long enough, that's what you're going to get. That is great advice for people to listen to and think about that because a lot of people dwell on the negative on negative things and say negative things to themselves and they're making that a reality. It doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. And you have to be careful. You know, I'm, I'm, when I'm not doing this work with my friends, I'm, I'm always a joker. Um, I, I always, I'm always a teaser. Um, and sometimes I'll say politically incorrect things just to get a laugh out of, out of people. Um, and I remember going back, oh, probably about eight, nine years ago, um, I was um, taking the, the um, uh, boat from um, San Pedro here in uh, California to Catalina. And I went over there to, to the, for the day with some friends. And as I got off the boat, there's these people in the restaurant and three of them kind of came running out and they said, oh my God, you're Tim Braun. And um, I was with my friends who are, you know, they're spiritual, but one's an attorney, one works for Cisco. Um, so um, I'm with my friends and these people are saying, you're so amazing. You've helped me. You changed my life. You know, can I get your autograph? And, and they kept on going on and on and on. And I says, oh, thank you. Thank you for, for thinking I'm so amazing. I said, my parole officer thinks the same thing. <laughs> and these people, their mouths just dropped. And I'm like, I'm just joking. And then they all laughed. And the reason why I did that was the intention to take that attention off of me and, you know, focus on my friends. But I have to remember when I, when I say something like that, I always have to say erase, 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 um, because the subconscious does not have a sense of humor. And when you say things like that, sure, it's a joke. It registers. So whenever I say something like that, I always follow it with, Erase, erase, erase. And that basically erases it from my consciousness so it doesn't stay there to go to the subconscious, if that makes Which sense. Which tells our I've, listeners that. I've heard that before, yes. I've been told to do that. It tells our listeners you're not, I'm sorry, Steph, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. I mean, I, I was just thinking because Irene, we just had a party the other day too, and we were kind of talking about all this. And um, some people were saying some negative things. And I am still new to all this. And even I was like, no, no, no. You don't ever want to say that about yourself. You have to take it back and erase it. And so it's it's funny that you just, well, I guess it's not funny, right? It's true that you mm-hmm. just said that, Tim, because, you know, I, I think we ingrain a lot of negativity, like Irene said, and we have to learn to stop doing that and definitely erase the things that we say so we don't ingrain it. Absolutely. And it also tells Absolutely. me, Tim, that you're not in your ego, because I think a lot of people who do what you do some of them tend to get a little carried away with themselves. Yeah, I believe, Irene, God giveth, God taketh. So I believe that spirit gave me this gift. And I believe that if I mishandle it, spirit can take it away. 
um, you know, at, at any time. And I'll tell you, you know, I, I don't want to be sounding sexist here, but yes, I'm a male, but I don't know anything about cars and I don't know anything about computers. So if I don't do a mediumship, I would probably be a maitre d' at a restaurant and then eventually I get fired. So I love my job <laughs> and I don't want to get fired from it. So I want to make sure I stay humble for spirit. And I always tell my clients, you might be the one paying me to do the work for you, but I don't work for you. I work for spirit. So if a father's coming through and says, I, I, I did this or I did that, um, I, I bring it through. You know, sometimes people's feelings are a little bit hurt. Sometimes people are a little shocked from the information that's coming through. Sure, it's validated and it's always it comes through as correct. Um, through another family member who can validate it. But I always tell them, even though that you're the one paying me to do the work, um, I don't work for you. I work for spirit. Spirit uses my vocal box, my voice box in order to speak. And so I always have to make sure that I stay humble with this. And when I do my work, I don't wear any jewelry. I just wear a watch when I'm not doing this work. But um, when I do my work, I take the watch off just to show spirit, you know what, this is humble time. I want to make sure that I stay as, as grounded and down to earth for spirit as possible. That's beautiful, Tim. That's so important for people to hear. Uh, I think we're starting to run, unfortunately, because we could talk with you forever, but I think we're starting to run towards the end of our interview. So could you give us uh, your tip for finding joy in life? Yes. Always place your hand over your little belly. And you girls can do this right now. Um, and when you push your hand, place your hand over your little belly, Pretend like for you, Irene, and of course for you, Stephanie, um, for you, Irene, you're talking to your little five-year-old Irene girl. And Stephanie, you're putting your hand over in your belly. You're talking to your little five-year-old Stephanie. And then when you wake up in the morning, say, what do we want to do for, what do you want to do for fun today? And if that little girl says, um, I want to put my, my feet in the sand, then honor that. Now, you might not be able to do that that day. You might have to say, okay, sweetie, I can't do it today because I'm slammed with meetings, but I promise you'll do it this Friday. Always listen to the little girl. And for men who are listening, always listen to your little boy. If you listen to the little boy, the little girl, that is how you always stay with joy. It's the adult that says, um, you know, work or don't take a, a, a potty break or um, um, uh, don't have fun or don't take a day off. You've got to work this day. And the little child saying, no, I want to have fun. And so one of the final things to say is, is when you go to sleep at night, say, what did we do for fun today? Or what did you do for fun today? And then tomorrow morning, say, what, do you, what would you like to do for fun today? And always be in contact with that little child. And that little inner child will never steer you wrong. It'll always keep you on path. That's fabulous. I think another way to put that is, how did I love myself today? And I love that little kid inside of me today. And you always want to listen to that child. And if that child um says they want to do something then honor it you know some if you look at little five-year-olds it's nothing complicated it's like yeah. i want to pet a puppy i want to go sit in the sand i want to take a bath um it's not about like five-year-olds don't say i want a new car five-year-olds don't want to say don't say um you know i want to work um an extra two hours today um things like that you you got to make sure that you're honest with that little child and listen to that little child and when you do that i'm telling you you'll never be swayed off path and that's something that i that I do for myself. That's perfect. That's great. How can people get a hold of you, Tim? Sure. Um, so um, I'm at timbronmedium.com. So T I M B R A U N, and it's a Nancy medium.com. I'm on Instagram, Tim Braun Medium um, as well. Uh, Facebook, um, Tim Braun Medium. 
Um, and um, if anybody would like a copy of the book, they can go to my website. And um, Ashley and my assistant would be more than happy to uh, assist. And um, I know that we, um, we're, ta- we're thinking about talking about more topics here today. So if you get a lot of interest from your viewing audience and they want me to come back, then I'll make time out of my schedule and I'll do this again for oh, you. Oh, that's girls. a definite. <laughs> look forward to it. I'll make a note here just to say, if they are on the Anchor app, all you listeners out there, you can leave us a voice message that we can relay and play and if you have a good comment or question, we can get it back to Tim and we might do a segment series featuring a lot of those coming up. So yeah, definitely give us your feedback and uh, reach out to us so we can get in touch with Tim and hopefully soon or then later do another segment with you because Tim, it's been great chatting with you tonight. I feel like I got I got a lot out of it. I, f- I feel good. <laughs> mm, thank you. When the, the movie that I'm in, um, documentary that I'm in called The Cure. That's going to be re- be released um, um, next month um, on Netflix and Amazon. Ooh. And um, it's it's uh, Sharon Stone and Deepak Chopra and the Dalai Lama and Mark Wahlberg and Jean Claude Van Damme and myself and uh, a handful of others. We all got together. We donated our time. We were interviewed for this documentary to do kind of like a sequel from The Secret that was out, you know, uh, mm-hmm. 10, 15 years ago just to really try to help the suffering on the planet. You know, it doesn't matter where you live or who you are. There are so many different people that are suffering in their own way. And so we all got together and we, um, of course, uh, some of the actors, you know, of course they, they live by their ego, but um, the ones that I worked with, they put their ego aside and they said, you know, let's help. And Emmanuel Itier, um, who's the d- director and producer of the documentary, um, he interviewed people from all around the world. And I was um, fortunate enough to be picked for this documentary. And again, the intention was to help, help as many people as we can through our, our voice. And this is coming out next month on Netflix? Next month. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Netflix and mm-hmm. Amazon. And it's called The Cure? The Cure, yes. C-U-R-E, The Cure. Make sure to have that. Curing the Planet. A little note so we remember to look for that. And we'll, we'll help promote for it too because we'd love to definitely check that out. I know I want to watch it. That sounds great. Perfect. But again, I'm sad we have to kind of wrap up now, but hopefully we do get to talk again soon. And Irene, as you always like to say to end our show. To be continued. Bye for now. To be continued. 